Welcome to the No Ideas Original Podcast featuring Mr. Rob and Shannon, episode 164. What's up, Rob? I see you dress you dress for a special occasion. Listen, man, this is a good time. This is a good time for some good topics, man. Some good conversation with our sister. We're about to bring on. And um, yes, I dress for the occasion. So you see the shirt, you can imagine, you see the hat, you can imagine even more. So <laughs> what this conversation is gonna be about, but I'm looking forward to some um some good information today bro yeah we were talking behind the scenes though and i was saying that this is something that you talked about having her on for you know quite a quite, quite a long period of time and we finally got around to to making it happen why do why do you think that it's important for us to have this conversation you know it's it's widespread because you know cannabis is the <sighs> uh, had been the looming uh paraphernalia that you know is it a class a class b you know and all of all of the the, the the stringent laws around it, and then all of a sudden it dropped, and now it feels like we can drink alcohol now. It almost feels like prohibition because mm-hmm. now there are pop up shops and there are dispensaries, and there are states legalizing it. And I think we have over it's close to half of the country now that are, that are legalizing it now. Yeah. Um, I think there's there, there's some things that people should know from the medicinal standpoint versus you know the recreational and like she said she said this in the background not to differentiate differentiate the two because we're a small community but i feel in my personal experience of recreational and medical i think the medical has just a little bit more of a cleaning i say taste or mm-hmm. an effect not that recreational is just some thraka, some garbage or something like that <laughs> but you know i just find it um, when I'm going to the dispensary or going to medical dispensary, the care, the compassion, the knowledge, what they what they what, what they leave you with when you lift out of there, it's like, damn, nah, I just ain't buy a bag of weed. I came in here and got some knowledge. I know what a sativa is. I know what an indica is. I know what mm-hmm. cannabinoids are. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And how those affect the body because all these things are either mind altering or body altering, so to speak. So. Yeah, I think it's just something because everyone's smoking weed, <laughs> pretty much. Not everyone, but it's 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 become so popular now that people should know what they're doing, you know, yeah. what I mean? and and not be so much of the indulger, but also know know what you're smoking, bro. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah, I f- and I feel like the dispensary was like extremely important at the height of the pandemic, and I know when you was going through everything with your kidney also, because I remember you used to make the dispensary rum and, and then come over to my crib. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you something too, man. When I first lost my kidney, my mother asked the nurse at the dispensary. She said, you know, he's going through all these things. He's taking these meds. It has him lethargic. It has him a little nauseous. Can he smoke his weed? And the nurse said, have him smoke two for me. I was like, what? <laughs> Hold on, son. I can smoke still. So that's when the journey started. So when the second kidney happened and my wife asked about it and, you know, they wanted to know, you know, their concern was, you know, it reaching to the kidney, the new kidney and how that would affect the meds and all that. So that's when I reached out to Uzma to find out, is it okay if I can do it? So on and so forth. They're just concerned, you know, with the edibles and will that take from the anti-rejectional meds or will it increase it? Whatever the case, because they don't want, of course, they don't want the kidney to reject. We just don't want, you know, me smoking cannabis to affect any of the meds. And I think yeah. she'll explain that too. 
So without further ado, let's bring our guest for this evening on. Osma <laughs> Zakir, medical cannabis pharmacist. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hi, Shanan. Salam alaikum, Rob. Salam alaikum, salam. <laughs> How you feeling, man? You look good. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling good. Thanks. I'm excited about being here. As you so, so tell us, tell us a little bit about the dispensary and what made you decide to become a pharmacist. Okay, so I'm a traditionally trained pharmacist. So I went to, I actually went to St. John's University in Queens. Redman. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Now we're the Red Storm, but yeah. Nah, you know, right. Right. Um, and, I just showed you how old I am when I said yeah. Redman. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I worked in traditional pharmacy for a long time and I just really took a step back and noticed that I didn't really see a lot of people getting better. It was really kind of perpetuating this cycle. Where you have someone come in for like their first prescription, then two or three months later, they're getting another prescription that's really dealing with the side effect of the first one. Right. And people are so misinformed. And I felt what has happened with the, with Western medicine is that all the power is taken from the individual, right? So there's no, and, and Rob can relate to this, I think with his incredible story about his kidney, is that you we do have a personal responsibility and we do have personal power when it comes to taking control of our own health. And I feel like with Western medicine, that's really been taken away, that it's just like you're completely reliant on a surgery or a prescription, um, but there is another way to, to heal and to feel wellness. Right. When Connecticut did something really interesting and that's who made their medical marijuana program, a pharmaceutical model. So you have all traditionally trained pharmacists who, um, you know, whether it's on the job training or if they've learned taking courses beforehand, okay. learn about cannabis as medicine and then learn about it. Really with me, it was the experience with the patients, um, with my coworkers, you know, with um, my mentors and then doing research. And, and, you know, five, six years ago, there wasn't as much available as there is now. So that's right. talking about watching documentaries or videos on YouTube or, or really just basic stuff that nothing was very official. Um, and then staying close to patients and following them up and trying new things out. And then, and then seeing these outcomes, right, which are so phenomenal. You just see miracles every day and people getting off of their prescription painkillers or their prescription medications, people who don't need their walkers or their canes every day. You know, it's really, it became like people would repeatedly just say, thank you for giving me my life back. And then taking it a couple of steps further, like with my own journey using cannabis as medicine for PTSD, is combining that with self-care practices or maybe your spiritual journey, um, you know, your mindfulness and, and your your consciousness to become more present and aware of your own health, your own power, and then how that affects every part of your life, whether it's how productive you are at work or how how much quality there is in your relationships. So really using cannabis as as a part of healing all different aspects of your life and awakening that power within you. Yeah. I'm just just thinking about something you said. We had um we had Dr. Wade on and um she's a traditionally trained pharmacist also and she sort of said the same thing that you said in terms of her working in pharmaceuticals and seeing for years that people came in and they it was just renewing a prescription, refilling yeah. a prescription and there was really not any change. Like I I wonder and you know like how many people actually have that epiphany and say like, okay, there has to be some other way. Maybe we should look at holistic healing or, you know, um, medicinal marijuana or whatever it is versus how many people that just stick with the traditional model of, you know what, I'm a pharmacist. This right. is what it is. I'm just going right. with that. 
Yeah, you have to seek it out, right? So it's it's this is the type of knowledge that you have to seek. It's not taught to us, you know, in school. They're not, you know, they're not teaching cannabis as medicine or endocannabinoid systems yet in, mm. in any colleges. So it's it's really kind of the, being aware of the opportunity, having the epiphany, and then finding that opportunity, and then going after it. So that's why I feel like in Connecticut, it was really lucky for me that they did adopt this pharmaceutical model. I felt are like you, I was kind of in the right profession. Right. Are, are you finding that? There are more pharmacists moving over from Western medicine into canna ca cannabis medicinal. Um, I would say there's a fair amount. I guess it's limited with how many job opportunities there actually are, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right, right. You know what's crazy is there's there's so much a stigma around cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call it, and the stigmas baffle me because they're they're. The plan is so damn resourceful. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The, you know, as the brothers in the five percenters say in in the twelve jewels, part of the twelve jewels is food, clothing, and shelter. Yeah, look at well, that. You get everything right from cannabis. You get every, everything for one plant. <laughs> food. If you watch Bong Appetit, they cook. They make mix chicken with marijuana. Yeah. Like it's it's all in there. The clothing. Of course, shelter and fuel. It, it, it baffles me why 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 they why they put so much of a stigma. They call yeah. cannabis the, the the nature's medicine. Explain that to us. Yeah, I guess it depending on your perspective, it's either the devil's lettuce or it's nature's medicine, right? right? right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> devil's lettuce. Uh, devil's I lettuce. mean, yeah, it's it's a sacred it's a sacred natural plant, right? And you know, and we believe in the Quran and in the Bible, right? It says that God has given us a cure for every for every malady right so we believing that and taking what we know um and how many thousands of years this has been used for exactly what you just said you know for medicine or for fibers and for textiles and it, that propaganda the stigma is because of that incredible marketing campaign that they had you know a couple of decades ago with convincing all of us of, of how of how bad it was and when Marijuana was made illegal, the Marijuana Tax Act, I think it was 1937. Yeah. Um, the American Medical Association actually was in opposition to, to them making marijuana illegal. So yeah. yeah, see, so cannabis oils were, it was in the US Pharmacopeia, which is like the official list of like medicinal products and herbs. It was in everyone's medicinal cabinet. That's right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so, so it was just to make way for for synthetic and you know chemical pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. um, and unfortunately, it was successful for a long time. But the people have taken it back, I mean, yeah. to a certain extent. It's still messy, but yeah, it's messy. But I think now, like I see more pop up shops like CBD, you know, different different types of CBD products and things like that. Yeah. What do you What do you think has led to the shift where people have gone to back to embracing CBD products? So first, it, the, just the fact that it was made more accessible, so people had it had it to access, or is able to access it, and then learn more about it. Mm -hmm. And I think that people are getting tired of, you know, we get more and more people that are coming in saying, you know, I, I don't. It used to. I would say, okay, let me put it this way. A few years ago, a lot of our patients would come in and say, I've tried every medication, nothing is working. I never thought I would try marijuana, but here I am. Now what I'm seeing more of is before my doctor puts me in all these medications, I want to try this first. 
So that's pretty incredible, right? Like people, so the, the, the message is getting out there to a, to a certain extent. Right. Um, and with, in, um, with the CBD, I think it was in 2018 with the farm bill, they allowed for like hemp and CBD to be grown into cross state lines. And that's where you started seeing a lot of CBD products. Right. So um, like what CBD, so um, we can talk a little bit about like the difference between THC and CBD. Mm -hmm. they're both, yeah, they're both cannabinoids from the plant, which means that they're the molecular components that come from the plant that actually fit into our body's cannabinoid receptors or interact with our cannabinoid receptors to create physiological change, right? So THC is the most prominent. Um, there's over hundred cannabinoids and THC is actually the only one to make us high or get that medicated feeling. CBD naturally occurring is the second most prominent chemical component to the plant. It's a very different mechanism of action in the body than THC. Um, and I think this is really interesting. And this is, um, THC will only interact with your cannabinoid one and two receptors. And CBD will actually interact with like over 60 molecular targets in the human, in human physiology. Yeah, so um, that combination is, is so special, right? And when you think about it, like from what I've heard, like back in the 60s and 70s, weed was like, maybe 6% THC, but it was also 6 to 10% CBD and 6 to 10% CBG. So you weren't necessarily getting that high that you get nowadays from it, but it was still like a, a really nice sense of wellness. I mean, I'd love to see it kind of move back, move back to that. So CBD, because it's not psychoactive, just for legal reasons, it was, it became more accessible. It's a very potent anti-inflammatory. It does a, a lot of really great things for the body. Um, and that's why you start that's why we've seen so much of it. Mm. Right. So, a question. so is CBD more helpful to the body? Than THC? I mean, I would say that it would be like individual specific, maybe based mm -hmm. on the condition, the patient's tolerance. I do feel, so in my experience, I'll say that patients who use all THC really get to the point where like kind of plateaus. Patients who use all CBD, they'll have a lot of improvement and will kind of plateau. It's really that combination of cannabinoids. But I think you get the best outcome. See, we're using these acronyms, right? And I, I understand there's, a, there's also a THCA. There is a THCA. So actually, before you light your flower, there's actually not really any THC in there. It's THCA. It's until the you acid. Burn it. Yeah, until you burn it, that combustion sparks it and causes that chemical reaction. And the THC, the A kind of falls off, right? You can say mm -hmm. it becomes THC and it becomes psychoactive. So That's the THCA right. doesn't really cross the blood brain barrier. Right. And then right, you can right, have right. THCA products with a cold extraction from the plant. So the TH, so it doesn't convert to THC. So you can get a lot of medicinal benefit from THCA as well. And the THC cold product, what does that look like? It's like a cold extraction. So they don't let anything oh, okay. get hot because it's the temperature that'll convert that THCA to THC. Oh, and, and the proteins in the THC, that's where it attaches, attaches itself to the blood. And that's how you get the effect, the cycle effect and all that. So think about it like a lock and key. So our receptors, for example, like in our central we have we have cannabinoids in us. Yeah, yeah, we have cannabinoids in us. We have our naturally cir circulating um, endogenous cannabinoids. So our body really makes its own versions of compounds like THC and CBD. Um, naturally, all of us, our pets too, most mammals. And so what they discovered, you know, they discovered first these receptors and you can think of them like locks all over our central nervous system, our immune system and other parts of our body. And then our natural cannabinoids as well as the cannabinoids that come from the plant are like the key, right? That kind of unlock it. And then um, they basically stop 
a, a physiological cascade. So that can look like an inflammatory response, right? So you're supposed to have inflammation in response to an injury. It's when it goes on for too long that it becomes troublesome. Mm -hmm. um, so our natural cannabinoids are involved in keeping that inflammation down. And then when you supplement with cannabinoids from the plant, you're achieving that as well. So you've got the receptors, you've got our natural cannabinoids, a couple of other parts, and they named this the endocannabinoid signaling system. So just like we all have a cardiovascular system, we have an endocannabinoid. Right. Mm, who knew that? Can you, who knew that, right? <laughs> Can you talk to us a little bit about the benefits um, in terms of mentally and emotionally? Yeah, yeah. I think that's what has moved me so much over the years is um, is when patients come back or, or even their caregivers or their partners come back and they'll say, oh my gosh, I got my husband back after 20 years. His pain is finally mm -hmm. relieved, right? Relationships start becoming, um, there's more quality to them. Even a lot of um, a, a younger guys that you know come in after a rough couple of years, maybe, and you know, and that's you know, when you were bringing up that whole recreational idea, maybe they would look to some people who are you know who are a little judgy that these look like recreational users, right? But you see, right? But you see them, you know, trying to do their best for their health, right? Maybe coming off of some of you know, the medications that a lot of teenagers are put on nowadays could be like Ritalin, the Prozacs and stuff, yeah. trying to safely come off of those. Yeah, they're using marijuana. It's a good choice after considering what they've been through. They tried the traditional route, but then after a year or so, sometimes six months, a year, they'll tell me, hey, I, I was able to go back to class. I started mm -hmm. another class. Oh my gosh, I, I got a job. I actually was able to go on a job interview and I got the job. And we, I, over these years, you know, you just start seeing them thrive. So it's not just older people who've been in pain for 20 years. It's all of us. It's, you know, it's the housewife. It's the young mothers. It's the grandparents as well. Um, and that emotional well-being, right, is what I think the challenge for a lot of us is that our, most people, what I've noticed is that our minds never stop, right? So our minds are constantly going and we're having anxiety over things in life that's that are not life or death right like we're not we're not sitting by a cave and thinking and there's a lion outside we're like just trying to get our kids to their activities on time right and making sure dinner is ready mm -hmm. so i like to focus on those small moments with patients and trying to time their their medication to what they're feeling um and what they need to do that day or that evening so they can have more fulfilling relationships because life is really that accumulation of those small moments. If you go on vacation once a year, that's great, but that's not the whole year. So we want to have value yeah. for these small moments. Um, and then so helping people come and being aware that this can help you come to a point of stillness. Yeah. And then perhaps you do um, have a spiritual practice. Maybe you do meditate or, you know, you try to do all of these things that, that that's help it that you that you see on um, ads or something right that they help so many people why don't they help me we just can't get to that point of stillness whether it's flashback from you know from a traumatic Jeez. event whether it's chronic pain you know I've worked with so many patients with chronic illness or chronic pain and it's like they almost have PTSD from having a chronic illness in Western healthcare yeah. and right so it's like they start to hate parts of themselves. Um, they start to hate parts of their bodies. And, and you know, Rob, you've, you've been through a lot. I don't know if you can attest to any of this, the frustration. You, and yeah, you, it's yeah, a big they, thing because I know every time I go to the date, they always ask me, are you safe at home? Do you feel like killing yourself? I'm like, <laughs> all right. 
But I understand why, because, you know, post-surgery, you're dealing with all these doctors, these white coats. You kind of you get a little, like, uncomfortable by seeing them and they asking you questions. They never fully explain it unless you ask them the question. Mm-hmm. So thank God I do my little research with some of the men that I take. And I asked him, yo, why you give me this drug? You know, it's going to mess up my memory, bro. Why are you doing it? <laughs> you read what I read, so don't play me. <laughs> and they look at me like, Mr. Browder, you know what you're talking about. You're damn right. I got to put this in my body. Mm-hmm. So my biggest concern, like I was telling Shannon, when I lost my kidney the first time, one of the questions my mother did ask the nurse at, this, at the um, dialysis center was, could he still smoke his weed? Because his appetite was off. I was really nauseous couldn't get used to the meds or none of that and lo and behold the, the nurse told my mother tell him to take two pulls for me and that was it <laughs> that sold me and i was in so moving forward when it happened again i wanted to be sure because they were saying you know now we got edibles and all these different things will it interfere with my anti-rejection medication yeah, yeah. i remember that beautiful. conversation and I, that's when you came and i'm like yo uh mm-hmm. to smoke, but i just don't want to mess myself up again and you explain that to me and you explaining it now makes it even more um, profound because knowing the endocannabinoid system as it is and then what we have in us, when those receptors meet, in my mind, I'm thinking that it opens up and unlocks something for you to feel as though now I can endure or I can take in these challenges that once gave me anxiety, gave me PTSD had me worrying and, and figuring out how am I going to get it done. Now I'm more relaxed and I'm more in a controlled mindset without all of the, the, the distractions and, and the anxiety around me. And I'm in more settled time. So, shot before we started this, when we first started this podcast, I used to smoke before we started. <laughs> Just to level me out. Yeah, just to get rid of the, like, you know, the, the little bit of nerves. Just a little bit. That's yeah. Something. But you're absolutely right. Like what you're describing is being present, right? So when, you know, you think about when you're used cannabis, you have that, you know, you're feeling that higher medicated feeling. Really, you're not thinking about the past and you're not thinking about the future. You become very present. And right. And that's what Buddhists say is the secret to happiness is living Mm -hmm. in the present moment. And when we just talking about this now, right, it's going to make all of us and everyone who's listening a little bit more aware next time they use and then that's going to help increase their consciousness. Then you're going to remember that, hey, I can feel like this. You know, worry pretends to be necessary. We think we have to worry to get things done. We think right. we have to worry so we can do the best that we can. I'm totally guilty of this. It's something I've been working on. And then using cannabis, and it doesn't just have to be THC. It could be a mix of CBD and THC or the right dose of CBD and the timing of it um, to get to that point where you can be like, okay, everything is like popping off right now, but I'm okay, I got this. So then we're not snapping at our loved ones. We're not panicking. We're not putting ourselves in chronic stress and chronic fight or flight. And yeah, and so then combining combining that awareness, I think is really important. Yeah. What do you think about about the use of cannabis for um, people who suffer with insomnia? Well, it's extremely effective. So I think it's definitely a win-win and I recommend it all the time. I think that's probably one of the most common um, symptoms that regardless of someone's diagnosis, their age or their, or their anything, it really comes down to, we're all having a lot of trouble sleeping. So it's definitely very, very effective. I also find that, you know, if you're go, go, go all day, you're still not a magic wand, 
that, you know, you just use something at night, you're going to get a great night's sleep. It's a good mm -hmm. idea to maybe use a little less of something in the evening, you know, start to get you start to get your central nervous system calmed down a little bit. So oh, yeah. could you could you break down or separate the three indica, hybrid and sativa? Yeah, yeah. So um, indica hybrid and sativa generally is a classification for, a, you know, different types of the plant. So indicas generally come from like where I'm from, Pakistan, right? That whole area. They're traditionally, um, that's just where they naturally come from. And they, so the indicas tend to be, you feel it more in your body and it right. tends to be restful. Um, and then sativas, which, you know, are naturally come from like maybe like Jamaica, for example, makes you feel a little bit upbeat. You feel that, you feel it in your head. It's more of a cerebral effect and hybrids are a little bit of both. You feel it in head and body. But honestly, there's been so much crossbreeding over the last few decades that there's very few true indicas or true sativas. Almost everything is a hybrid. Everything. So we really try to pay attention. Like I try to pay attention to the entourage effect. So you take the strain, which will always have its essence to, to the particular you know, flower that you're about, what you're about. Right. To so the strain has a, has a strong essence to it, but it doesn't tell the whole story. And I think we mentioned a little bit the percentages of like THC and how much it's changed. You know, you get something that's like a high 30% THC versus something that's maybe 16 or 17%. That's going to play a big part in how that particular harvest is going to make it hit. And then, then the terpenes, which are the aromatic parts of the plant, all plants have terpenes in them um, and cannabis is no different. And it has terpenes in it that can really... Um, when we get those measured, it can tell you how, you know, how euphoric or uplifting something's going to be, or if it's going to be really nice and heavy on the body and it's good for pain and sleep. It's really looking at all those three things, understanding what you're looking for. Um, so it's a great way to, to choose. Because remember back in the day, if somebody had weed, like you didn't ask what it was. It was we just, you were just, yeah, we didn't ask. <laughs> one, one day you lazy as hell and next day, you want to run a want to run a run a marathon or something, man? Like, yeah, you never know what you're gonna get, and we were fine with it. We were always happy about it, right? Whatever it was, we were happy. Um, but now, now we want to know exactly what everything is. I call yeah. myself an abuser. Now I'm a, I'm officially a user because <laughs> as as a teenager, I abused it. I didn't know what I was smoking. I was just doing it because my friends were doing it. And I remember when I first got to compassionate care at that time. Um, I forgot the gentleman's name, how he sat me down with the tensions and mm -hmm. concentrates. I said, this is weed college. What's going on? What's going on? <laughs> about the drug. And we sat there for about 30 minutes. And I had questions like, I've been doing this wrong all my damn life, yo. Mm. Listen. And I, but I'm, I'm so happy that that was there when it was there because at a time, like I said, dealing with my kidney and all that, yeah. I was missing it and I was going through it. I had just moved from Maryland come up here and I'm dealing with the health stuff and it was just it was a torture for a little while and yeah the guys were around yeah so, remember CCC God bless Angela. yeah, yeah. And I, I was I would that, I love that place man and I'm, I'm I'm so happy that most of y'all transitioned over to the bottom there's a couple of few left shout out to yeah. Jen my, my, my sweetheart Jen she she was she was she was a gem yeah she is there, a gem but, um, that place was a beautiful place, man. Right, Child it was really a special magic there. Special place. It was a really yeah. special place. Yeah. Can you, so, you run so, a yeah, um, so Young said cannabis has changed a lot these days. The laboratory weed is not as good or as effective as true strains. I only want indica. Thoughts on that? 
<laughs> I don't know what he means by laboratory weed. I don't think I know what laboratory weed is. Probably, probably what you said. There's so many mixed indicas and sativas. Yeah, well, it's not done in the lab. It's the same way any gardener, you know, would cross, you know, would crossbreed any type mm -hmm. of a plant or seed. So it doesn't. It's not like I wouldn't say that it's like a laboratory or or synthetic in any way. But if he only wants indica, he only wants the body effect. He likes to lay down. Yeah, or he or <laughs> or you know, some of us that are go 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 all the time, just the indicas make us, you know, can make some of us just level feel us even. Off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Us yeah, Rob, you had a question. Yeah. Um. How large is the cannabis community in Connecticut, and where do you see it evolving? Where is its evolution in your in your mind? Well, with adult use launching this year. Um, and quite a few dispensaries and more cultivation facilities opening up. And with, and I, and I think Connecticut's really unique in that we do have a lot of um, really great minds in all different parts of the industry right. um, that are really coming together and, you know, doing podcasts and posting on social media and doing talks and, and setting up talks themselves to really educate as many people as we can because we do, we're all so passionate that cannabis can help so many people. We just don't want to keep watching people suffer. So I feel like, you know, it's only going to grow. It's only going to grow. So right now I think there's, you know, maybe 46 or 47,000 under, just under 50,000 medical patients in the state, which is quite low. And then with adult use, you know, there's, there's always people who are using cannabis. Um, and so now we're, we're seeing it right here in Connecticut. A lot of people have been going to Massachusetts. And so, right. yeah. And then there's, other types, of, you know, other markets. So I feel like it's just going to grow. It's going to be pretty, pretty expansive. Tell me, tell me, tell me something about that symposium you went to at UConn. What, what little nuggets did you get from that, that event? Yeah. Okay. That's, a, that's, that's great. So what's exciting also when you're talking about cannabis in Connecticut is that um, some of the state universities are really embracing, um, the research behind cannabis, whether it's horticulture, like, you know, how to grow the plant in the best way or the science behind it. Um, so Eastern Connecticut did an event in October and I was fortunate enough to participate in. Um, and then UConn did a cannabis symposium in March. And mm -hmm. I spoke on the industry panel, but I attended a lot of the seminars where you have a lot of, um, a, a lot of, a lot of professors doing research right at UConn or even at Eastern on what these cannabinoids are doing um, inside the body. So their physiological response, what they're capable of um, and how it's working, right? So we look at the mechanism of action of how these are working in the body. So I thought it was pretty, it's pretty amazing to see all these great minds focusing on cannabis. You know, they're also doing research um, on, you know, actually using it and, and how people respond and react to it. I find that, um, my challenge has always been as a practitioner that the studies are great and they give me a tremendous amount of insight, um, but actually having a patient in front of you and finding the right dose and really working out a program for them as an individual, there's not much guidance on that, right? right? So, is that because there's so many hybrids where it's the, one is sativa dominant, one is indica dominant, and you just don't know how to differentiate? Well, that's always going to change, right? Because it depends on the harvest. So absolutely. But what I like to do, because you can't rely on like um, a consistency of a specific type of flower and the terpenes. And remember when I talked to you about the drug interaction, I said, if you smoke it, you're actually going to be better off than doing the edibles because then it's really, you're going to get higher doses. It's going to get processed through your liver. 
it's going to interact with the drug but when you smoke it it's just in and out so that was an advantage for you but sometimes if we're looking to treat disease if patients are looking to come off of prescription medications just getting that little bit in and out isn't going to be enough so that's where i'll use the oral solutions like you were saying that you learned about the tablets or the capsules so something i can measure in milligrams and know it's going to have that effect those products tend to be consistent Okay. Right, rather than the flower or the vape. So then how using that more often. How do you, how do you, do you believe that legalizing recreational marijuana has impacted the medicinal marijuana industry in any way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because then people feel like they can just, you know, they don't have to kind of put those extra steps and the extra cost in, right, to get your card. Mm. Um, and so it's, I think that more people are aware of it because you know, everyone's been talking about adult use in Connecticut, but at the same time, a lot of um, patients have been considering like not renewing their card or, you know, just waiting for rec, but the taxes are really high. The adult use, and Rob, you may have noticed the adult use menu is much smaller than the medical menu. Um, so next, so the, in two weeks of our, my monthly webinar, I'm going to be talking about the differences between the medical program, the adult use program, and the benefits um, of really what, really understanding exactly like what I'm telling you now, what makes cannabis medicine and what we can do for you, um, really understanding the potential to healing. So it's not just, you know, about like getting a good night's sleep or getting in the zone. You can do so much more with it. Mm -hmm. and, and what is the process for getting the card? So the process is there's about 38 qualifying conditions in Connecticut, um, 18 and over, and there is a smaller list for pediatric use. But for 18 and over, there's about 38 qualifying conditions um chronic pain is one of the most recent additions so that's pain from any any source for over six months mm -hmm. um, and ptsd is the only mental health diagnosis on there um and then you you can speak to a provider or your doctor so any doctor aprn can certify a patient for medical marijuana they just have to make an account in the mm -hmm. state's database they'll certify you which gives you 12 month access to um, a dispensary and then you have to complete a registration process, which is really uploading your photo ID, your proof of residency to the state, and then they email you. So just through your email, they'll send you your medical marijuana card. Then you can come to the medical dispensary and sit down with a pharmacist like myself, and I'll review your goals, your medication list, your past usage, your history, what delivery systems you feel comfortable using. I mean, we have people who say like, I never want to get high. Right, like just I, I don't, you know, it could be like past trauma. It could be so many different things. Right. Right. Um, and so, and and then we say, okay, no problem. We'll mm. Take care of them. So that's really the process. So PT, you said PTSD. Why? I wonder why they don't have just like general generalized anxiety. Yeah. So Connecticut. Yeah, Connecticut is a pretty strict program. So I think that that would have they kind of felt like that was too broad and broad. too vague. Because everybody suffers from anxiety. But everybody should be able to benefit. Yeah, and then everybody should be able to benefit. Yeah, it's right. You see, it's all. It's like it makes a little sense, and then let's let's take that. We all watched the nine eleven. We all got PTSD. Damn it. We uh, all sort of. You know what product always baffled me? The topical and sublingual. What you call it? Sublingual products. Sublinguals. Yeah. So <laughs> I. I yeah. yeah sublingual is anything that you use. You you absorb through your mm -hmm. mouth. So I think that's such a great way to medicate because yeah. when people like do an edible right we all have it's really hard to metabolize and digest and absorb cannabinoids so a lot of people would be like oh my gosh my edible tolerance is so high it's like 200 milligrams i don't feel a thing and it's really that you're probably not breaking it down and absorbing right. it right. and right. so 
I like to skip that step and just use the sublingual absorption. So have a patient like hold it in their gum line, whether it's a spray or it's an oil, because mm -hmm. you're almost guaranteed it's gonna absorb. And then you don't have to keep trying higher doses. So it keeps your costs down. And then I'll know right quicker if it's, if it's effective or not for a patient. So that's how the sublinguals mm -hmm. work. They absorb from the capillaries in your mouth into your bloodstream. And then the topicals, I mean, our skin cells have cannabinoid receptors mm -hmm. um, in a couple of layers. And so it plays an important part for that. So it's not just, you know, for dry skin, you know, you've got your pain receptors on there. It's also good for how your cell like turnover rate, like how your cells um, uh, grow and make more cells. So it's involved with that. So the endocannabinoid uh -huh. system is pretty phenomenal with it's almost like what doesn't it do for our bodies it's almost involved in every physiological function and it's really about just maintaining balance and you know what's crazy because i've heard heard it say cannabis helps it's a shout out to the women with hot flashes yeah really great for menopausal symptoms great for pms pain also for mood um and you know it's actually really um the endocannabinoid system it's a hormone regulator so it's almost like everything that they taught that they were using like the propaganda for, it's like the opposite is true, yeah. right? So it's actually, it balances our hormones. <laughs> it helps us create new brain cells. You know, like literally everything word for word is opposite, like classic mm. gaslighting. <laughs> so said, um, in legal states, they have multiple supplies. One of those supplies are government growers. It, but I, I did have a question as it relates to that. I guess at the dispensary, how does it, what is the, because Rob frequents the dispensary. I haven't been to the dispensary, but are the growers actually people at the dispensary or people can contract with the dispensary and become a grower? Like, how does that work? So there's four, there's been four growers in Connecticut since they started the program. So mm -hmm. this year you'll see a whole bunch more and next year you'll see a whole bunch more, but they're just private businesses that, mm -hmm. you know, worked it out the way they do, you know, got their licenses and was able, and were able to set up. Okay. Yeah. And so we care, you know, it's just, just like any business, right? Like, you know, you carry the best products that your, your patients and your customers are, are, are going to look for. Okay. Okay. So it's not really like a private contract or anything. But there's, I'm sure there's probably a certain amount of growers allowed per state. I think it's like by state by state. Yeah. Cause the licenses are limited, right? Because like the plant isn't free. We're not really free to do what we want with the plant. They're setting up systems state by state that everyone kind of has to play this game to get involved in it, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to grow this plant and start my own business. It's going to be great. It's a million things for you to even get your foot in the door. Yeah, because really? I want to grow. I guess I got to go through a million you, things. You, go, <laughs> <laughs> you can grow at home, Rob. Did you I, start yeah. growing yet? I did actually. If I, could, I I wish I could take you outside. I started. Hold on. Let me how's, see if I can... how's it? How's it? How's your plant looking, Rob? I don't. I don't transplanted my stuff outside now. So yeah, it's time. I, I had them. I had them germinating in the house, but now they outside. I built a little greenhouse outside. So I have. That's awesome. Yeah. So. How's it looking? How's it coming on? It's coming. I'm struggling a little bit, but it's coming. <laughs> I'm still working out the kinks and learning what I'm doing, man. So, you um, know, there's it. There's really something beautiful about growing your own medicine, and you know, it's it's this. It's it's really a relationship where the plant is gonna intuitively pick up on your needs and probably really grow to to be more of what you need just naturally. Right. And that's that's gonna be pretty beautiful. How about that. Mm -hmm. What are, what are your thoughts on all these? You know, I go I go down to New York City 
And when I go in New York City, I see like all these pop-up shops and I even see like mobile, there's vans and stuff outside where everybody's selling all kind of cannabis products now, just like out in the open. And I don't mm-hmm. even know what it's legal. Yeah, but it's just, it's just strange to me. Like now it's just out in the open. It's so embraced and it is what it is. But I'm just, just what, what it, with you being a trained professional and a pharmacist, what is your opinion when you see stuff like that? So a couple of things. I think that I'm still like you in shock that you can just do it. You know, it's like, what? Like you can just, what? why all of a sudden every, this is all okay. We had so many problems for it for so right. many years. And now just like that, like what you were saying, now it's just, I mean, it wasn't just like that, right? But you walk, you, you know, you go from Connecticut, you go to the city and you're looking around and you're like, when did this happen? Yeah, I did. Um, they're everywhere i mean yeah and they're everywhere now so it's like one extreme to the other wasn't it didn't feel very gradual maybe um i think that you know you're not really i mean i don't know if they're growing it i don't know where they're getting it from i don't really know much about the pop-up shops out there Mm -hmm. but it's the same way over the past couple of years people were selling cbd at gas stations right and there's probably no cbd in there or even the cbd like you know vitamins at some of these health food stores there's no cbd in there mm-hmm. so quality is always a concern right like you want to have some quality control if it says it's thc you want it to be all thc you know you don't want it to be anything else mm-hmm. or get fooled and then someone has a bad experience right. and they're turned off from this beautiful plant forever right that's what you don't want cuz that could easily yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and if you if you go into these hole in the wall spots that you see everyone else out there, you're like, oh, I'm gonna give me some weed. You come out, you don't want to do that, man. You fool yourself, and you be tripping out here, walking around with a bucket on your head, looking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of, one of my biggest concerns, though, is that you know, like, um, if the effect now, is- like people just just the the openness around it, I think, is beautiful. But I'm fearful, like the government's involvement around the regulation um, with it and just the, you know, the guy who was selling it out of their house. Now, all of a sudden, I got a pop up shop and, you know, I just I feel like it's it may compromise, you know, and definitely, definitely have a, a, a larger impact and change things. You know, like I'm happy that folks have embraced now the use of marijuana more openly. I'm happy that people aren't getting, you know, locked up, but lock, yeah, locked up or bust out at work over it um mm-hmm. to that part but i i just i i wonder though i wonder like athletes you know, are like, getting fine yeah, yeah 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 they took that a lot of the drug yeah, testing that's programs great. They took out. but i just i just wonder like what's what's kind of like what's the end game in particular from like the government's standpoint <laughs> like why are they so open with this right, this is this is my thought and just hear me out mm-hmm. it's going to be in my opinion just like alcohol I, I feel that. I believe that. You see alcohol in every store from Budweiser to Coors Light to Hennessy. At one time, all that was underground. For 100 years, marijuana has been underground. All of a sudden, it hits the surface. You got pop-up shops. You got dispensaries from Colorado to Massachusetts. It's mm-hmm. going to happen just like marijuana. You be, they be selling cigarettes in the bodega soon, bro. Mm-hmm. I can see that happening. I just, I just feel that, that, that whole scenario... But what took place in the 1920s with alcohol, that's mm-hmm. the same exact thing is going to happen with marijuana. But more inclusively, like I said, the benefits of it, bro, you can make bricks out of hemp. Mm-hmm. You don't have to smoke it. One of There was a company, I think I said this before, there was a company down in Louisiana during um, Hurricane Katrina that was rebuilding homes. 
But a lot of them homes, when they were torn down and decimated, they had no way because it's so hot in Louisiana. Mm. So there was a company who offered their services with having hemp brick bricks build homes for specific homes in Louisiana. Reason why the, the hemp bricks that they were building absorbed the heat. So it kept it cool inside the house. Means that you didn't have to have an electric bill. You didn't have to have any of that AC and all that stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they were building homes with that. So I'm like, hold on, I can smoke it. I can make clothes out of it. And I can build with it. Mm-hmm. That's the whole food, clothes, and the shelter thing. That's mm-hmm. where I see it going further. Not just so much with being yeah. next Newports. Yeah, the sustainability factor is going to be amazing, right? The fact that, you know, if, if the resource is used properly, it can really help with so, you know, so much of the, the pollution and the other problems mm-hmm. that our planet is dealing with. I think also what's going to happen in the future is that these pharmaceutical companies are going to come out with their own compounds working yeah. on the endocannabinoid system. So, you know, we and that's really, that's when they're going to start teaching it. In, in pharmacy school and in, in medical schools and nursing schools, and that's right. going to be like a, a a pretty big wave, I think, is the yeah. is pharmaceuticals, not necessarily a copy of CBD or THC, but something that's going to work on our endocannabinoids. Yeah, my fear, my fear though, is with capitalization. You know, once you once cap, capitalization gets involved, it changes, oh, and you know, when it finds its way into the store, Philip Morris, before you know it, you know, something like oh, marijuana on the shelf next to Newports. But it's thirty dollars for yeah. you know whatever it is. Yeah. Like I just think capitalization yeah. ruins everything. Yeah, and yeah. Cited the medicinal benefits and everything else, and it just becomes about the dollar. Yeah, right. yeah. And that's the crazy part because when it, gets, when it comes about the dollar, people ain't listening to no knowledge. Mm-hmm. They ain't listening to what you got to say. They just want to make money. Yeah, well, and, that's, you know, and that's our job. That's why we're doing what we're doing, right? So people can make educated and informed choices. Informed choices. And don't be abusers. Be a smart <laughs> user. <laughs> so about, um, tell us about the, rec- the recovery network programs and how you became a board member. Yeah, so I was actually a patient um, recommended me um, to, to be on the board. So it's been a couple of years now. And they have some really great centers in Bridgeport where, you know, they, um, they help women. They help people that are struggling with mental health disorders maybe need a place to stay for a little bit and need some intervention or some counseling and then some medication um, assisted treatment centers um, and what they did I thought what I was most excited about is that they had a social worker um, work with the Stanford Police Department to go out on calls so people who were having maybe a mental health episode were not treated as criminals or treated um, like in a violent way nice. and it's such a beautiful profound difference of bringing families back together and really um, doing things with a completely different approach that I think we're, if the plan is that you will be seeing more of that in some of the towns around. So I think it's really, it's really nice. Nice. Yeah. That was a big thing in, in New York for a long period of time too. They had um, police officers responding to these domestic calls, but they didn't have the skill set to, to deescalate those, um, those yeah. conflicts, domestic conflicts. So now I think they're also realizing that, you know, there's so much, so much going on as it relates to mental health that it's, it's probably yeah. better to rely on a mental health mm-hmm. worker to, to deescalate yeah. things like, you know. And so it's many- also side effects from these mental health, like from these drugs, like a lot of these antidepressants and other, you know, that the side effects include, you know, this 
some types of aggressive behavior or violent behavior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah. sometimes the medication is is worse than you know. And we we see that a lot at the dispensary, where where patients who are you know using things like an SSRI, like a Prozac, for example. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, you're you're you feel worse than when you you started. Right. And you feel yeah. like you can't get off of it and. And these side effects, you just think, okay, is my disease getting worse or is this a side effect? And most people kind of assume their disease is getting worse. Yeah. What was it like, though, for you as a pharmacist to kind of have that um, that moment that, oh, Santa Claus is not real. Like, you train, you go to school <laughs> for, for all the stuff, and then you see, like, wait a minute. Oh no Easter you no know, Easter you're right. It, it, you're right. It was like the goggles came off. I think mm -hmm. that when I, was, when I was in high school, I was more um, just naturally kind of drawn to some agriculture actually, and natural medicine and natural healing. Mm -hmm. And I ended up going to pharmacy school and I thought I would do some type of combination. I got sidetracked, right? And just kind of got like a regular job. Like you were asking before, like, does everybody notice? Well, I, it took me a couple of years, you know, to notice that mm -hmm. this wasn't all good. Um, my son had some like health conditions when he was a baby. I really just didn't, what the doctors were saying and it wasn't anything too too serious it just didn't resonate as truth mm. you know they're saying these things to me i'm like that does, just doesn't make sense and i remember i went to a holistic chiropractor actually in norwalk and he started talking about traditional chinese medicine and their approach to mm. this condition and i was like bingo that resonates as truth thank you for having an explanation let's take care of this now and it, so it was a combination, I almost feel like, of a mother's intuition and my pharmaceutical and science background, where, you know, I really examined both. And I was able to trust to trust my intuition and that frustration with, with, you know, just prescriptions that don't help. And then I was working actually in Bridgeport at a very busy pharmacy. And it was like the height of the opioid epidemic. Oh, wow. And, oh, my gosh. It was really, it was. I can imagine. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, you've got doctors in on it, got patients in on it. There's insurance fraud. Yeah, you know, you're, you're yeah. coming in five minutes, you know, 1030 at night, looking to fill 240 Oxycontins. You know, sometimes you're intimidated. You, it, it's just, it, it was just this cycle that was so awful. Um, and that Oxycontin is serious. And during my stay in the hospital, I think there was one time I had I was rushed to the hospital because um, I had internal bleeding. Uh, my old kidneys had ruptured or something like that. It was painful as hell for blood to just be leaking out. I'll just use that term. Um, when I got to the hospital, they gave me an Oxycontin. Mm -hmm. Bro, bro, bro. <laughs> Listen, I was... I was <laughs> Janelle tell you, I was laying in the bed. I was like, I want to fry pancakes and eat syrup and chicken wings. I was, I was totally hallucinating. I was like, no, never again. Please don't give me that. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying that to say it's epidemic or it's pandemic or how it gets people addicted and hooked to us. I can see why because it's, it's almost like heroin, bro. It really nods you to hell mm -hmm. off. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't be, in my opinion, it shouldn't be in the medical field at all unless someone is really controlled using it. You know what I mean? Because it's that high of a dosage of cycle, whatever it is that's in there. Yeah. It's a terrible thing, man. That well, you're not, you're not supposed to have access to it that easy. Huh? You're not supposed to have access to it that easy, right? Isn't it considered what a control? Is a control one, a control two substance? It's like, a C2 substance, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it gets out there. 
Yeah. It definitely got out there big time. So, so I think it was, it was a combination of that, a couple of other things. And I was at, at that point, I would say I wasn't using, I stopped using pharmaceuticals for myself and my family like over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's all natural medicine. It's things like making sure you go to the chiropractor regularly and you're, you know, right. taking the right supplements and getting sunlight. And really, again, it's about prevention, staying ahead of your symptoms. It's the same way. Mm-hmm. It's the same what you can do with cannabis, staying ahead of your anxiety, staying ahead of your pain, not waiting for your symptoms to get so bad and then medicating um, right. so you have a higher quality of life. So again, that personal responsibility and your personal power and, and Rob is like such a great example with his kidney of manifesting your own health, right? Mm-hmm. And, and just, but you got to get into that mindset to be able to do that. And we're so distracted all the time. It's so hard to do that. Yeah. Very so yes, I think that was a part of my process then of like, I was ready. Yeah, I was ready to, to get out of um, regular pharmacy. Yeah. Have you incorporated meditation and mindfulness in that as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely talk to patients um, about adding that to their regimens as well. Um, so I think for myself, like, you know, it's, it's always been a practice of mine. I think it's more prayer and like the remembrance. Um, what, what we do in Islam is called zikr. So it's more about that. And then when you kind of use terms that um, more people can understand that it's more inclusive, it can be like meditation, gratitude practice or mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And it's really about going inwards, right? To be able to heal there and and getting um, more of yourself back into your present life. Mm-hmm. So you're not just kind of in the backseat of your life. You're you're present and you're aware and you're, you can be more in charge. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'm seeing holistic medicine making a surge into the, the against the other forms of medicine. Would I, would I be right in that estimation? Because I think a lot of people are waking up. A lot of people are becoming more resilient, self-aware. People are meditating more. People are mm-hmm. turning their lives around and doing things alternatively. And not so much running to the doctor for a pill and, and finding out what, their, what yeah. their terms are. I think people are really taking this approach, whether it's marijuana or any other thing, where you're eating different, you're vegan, mm-hmm. or, you know, Changing your life. I I think it's necessary. I think it's very necessary to to unlearn some of these 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 long traditional lessons, like eating three meals a day. Bull crap that we've been taught (laughs) to do. Um, We need to unlearn that and know that Mm -hmm. bro, it takes about six to eight hours for your body to digest completely, and you already throw three meals in there. And you want to know why your sugar is off, or your high blood pressure is off, or Whatever the case, or like yourself, Shannon, you get on your Peloton and your life is different. <laughs> <laughs> you switch up, you get a little healthy. But I, I really, I really do believe that the holistic way of living, alternative way of living, is gonna is gonna battle with. Uh, yeah, I mean, it de- it definitely is, and I feel like how how we we're talking about there's a personal power, there's also like a collective energy. Right. So we, we're all learning and growing with one another. And I think also at times I feel like I'm in my own bubble where I kind of forget right. that Ooh. that rest of, the, you know, there, there's still a lot of people who, as you were saying before, there's a stigma. They don't believe in natural medicine. They just want to use. So I'm, I'm I ask myself that, too, is that is this growing really quickly or is it just the people that I'm interacting with? And it's almost, you know, like attracts like the energy that that you're putting out, Rob, you're going to uh, um, 
bring that back towards you, like-minded people. Like attracts yeah. like that's right. Yeah. It does it does feel though that that there there are more people that are far more open to a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. And um that people I don't know, I just I, there's nothing really, really fascinating to say or nothing to, to really explain it other than I think people are just tired of being sick. And yeah, I'm tired of yeah. doing the same thing all the time. I've been on pharmaceuticals for so long and I haven't gotten the results. Like I need to try right. something new. Yeah, I feel like when you, you're sick, you're expected to look and act sick all the time. But mm-hmm. then with holistic and alternative and cannabis as medicine, when you do look well, then people are like, oh, you're not even sick. You know, what are you taking cannabis for? It's like, yo, you don't know what I went through. <laughs> so I feel like that that's a big thing, right? There's like people are supposed to Yeah. I mean, it's to me it's, it's it's even interesting that you know, when you have things like people have diabetes or they have high blood pressure, high cholesterol, whatever it is, a lot of times the first fix from um from the doctor is to prescribe, you know, like some people are very heavy on prescription instead of you think about like the natural remedies that you actually do, like just change your diet or exercise a little bit more. I mean, there are cases where some people are a lot further gone than others, but you know, like Mm -hmm. we do have accessibility to things other than pharmaceuticals. But a lot in the end though, still a lot of people won't do it. So what do you think that's about? Because they feel like the pharmaceutical is the quick fix? Yeah, I think it's it. you're not brought up like that. You know, life is tough. We're trying to get through the day, most of mm-hmm. us, right? We're trying to pay the rent. We're trying to make ends meet. And our health is the furthest, furthest things from our minds. That mm-hmm. if your doctor is going to say, hey, you can totally change your diet. And um, so you're not going to stop at McDonald's for breakfast. You're going to wake up half an hour early and make a smoothie and do this and that. But you got to get mm-hmm. the kids to school or do a million other mm-hmm. things. It's really out of reach that I think they're just to be honest, there's still plenty. There's still a lot of people who are going to be like, "Yeah, let me just get that pill." Yeah, right. I don't, and you know, and I have some some doctors in my family, and that's what they tell me. Most patients, they want to take the pill. Give me the yeah. pill. I don't want to do no work. Mm-hmm. I, I'll say probably, <clears throat> excuse me. I'll say probably over maybe like the last twenty years, they've begun to make more of a connection in terms of physical, you know, physical health and. The reason why I say that is because, you know, it was the whole thing around like childhood obesity. So then you see exercise integrated more into school and stuff like that. But now step back and I think of it, if it, like in the last 20 or 25 years, we've got this level of awareness around physical health. Now you hear a lot of conversation about mental health, but how far are we off from people actually putting into practice something that, that we really deal with and we're, we're conscious in terms of mental health? Like mental health is the buzzword, but I don't know if people actually begin to put in practice or begin to actually realize, you know, have that level of self-awareness around what they need to do to care for their mental health. Like, you know, the, the physical health is easier for people to um, mm-hmm. to address because they look and, you know, you look and people wear it like, okay, you may be overweight, you know, or you have this going on, that going on. But mental health, I think is, uh, for some people, it's hard to even detect that they have an issue with their own mental health. Yeah, I think that you just think it's normal. And then also people, I think that we don't have a clear idea of what healing even looks like. So Rob joined my my webinar last month, last month, which was great. Thank you, Rob. And I talked about depression and inflammation. What I really try to do is that if we're all on this journey, right, a personal journey to some type of wellness where we want to feel better, but do we, do we really know what that looks like? So people like patients who've who've been in you know, pain for, for 10 years and haven't done anything that, they've enjo- that they used to enjoy and you know, are incredibly depressed. What does healing look like for them? You, it's almost like I feel 
I actually enjoy reintroducing that concept to people. And then with the cannabis, with the self-care practices, and that at least having a, a destination, some type of destination in mind of, of what it could feel like to feel good, to feel uh, present and have wellness mm-hmm. and really putting that together so then you can medicate with that intention, right? So it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to be still, my mind's not going to race and I'll even set things up for people. Okay, use this product and maybe make a cup of tea and put on music that you liked when you were in high school. And this could be like a woman in her 70s. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, just take 20 minutes for yourself. And then there's that that feeling of that, you can call it emotional regulation or just feeling like you're present and calm. As you become more familiar with that, because most of us aren't even familiar with that, you keep it with you, right? The goal is to keep it with you. So what I say, Rob, it's like how we on our prayer mat is so enjoyable and so pleasant and calm. You get off and then it's like, wow, back to like screaming at the kids or doing this or that. So it's really about keeping that with us. Is, is all that part of the cannabinoid therapeutics? Well, it is because it not, you know, it helps with our mood. It helps with our anxiety. It helps with our, um, even our feelings of confidence, uh, shame, regret, guilt. It helps us with memory processing. So actually helping you hopefully store away bad memories so that you don't keep remembering them and they're not at the forefront of your mind. Um, and just that what cannabis also helps with is separating that fear component with a memory. So then you you don't you're not as um, as as uh, prone to to falling into triggers. Right. right. So it's that it's actually relearning that you can have a trigger and not go back to feeling afraid. Right. So that's something else that cannabinoids do, which is which yeah. is why it's so remarkable for PTSD. It's re- it's really unfortunate that our baseline isn't how we are when we're on the map, when we get off, it's the... <laughs> that's now that, now, but now look, I just planted a seed in your mind, right? I just introduced yeah. the concept to you. Yeah. Now, maybe in, in next time in a situation, you can think back, just keep that with you. And right. it's hard, you gotta find it, right? Sometimes maybe it's a visual, maybe it's like a blanket, so you just keep your blanket, like a, mm-hmm. your spiritual blanket around like, you. Like Linus with a blanket, huh? Yeah, yeah. like Linus with a blanket. <laughs> oh. Well, we thank you for joining us this evening. Anything you want to close with? You know, no, thank- I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you, Shannon. Thank you to you, Rob. Uh, you've been so great over the years. It's been so wonderful getting to know you and also seeing you shine in health like this. Alhamdulillah, oh, God bless you. It's literally a miracle. It's amazing. I want to thank you guys too, man. Compassionate care as well as the botanist, Jen, Adrian. This list goes on call. All you guys are great, man. And I love talking to you guys. You guys are very informative and very caring and compassionate, man. So. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, come check us out, um, The Botanist in Danbury. Also, sometimes at The Botanist in Montville or Prime Wellness in South Windsor. And then I do have the monthly webinar, The Can of Convo, which, um, which yeah, definitely check that out because that's when I'll go into specific disease states and put all of this yeah. stuff together for you really organized. Thank is. you. And we made sure we put on the screen also your Instagram if people want to follow you to get updates and more news about your work. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I've been available for consultations also if anybody wants to do that. I need a good sativa. <laughs> we'll talk about that. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. We'll catch you on the next episode. Good night, everybody.
Thank you, everyone. Peace.